0: Hey, this is Jeremy Isaacs, lead pastor of Generations Church, where we want to live like it matters. For more information about our church, you can visit us at g.church. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Thanks again for listening. Everybody good today? You sound good. You you feel good. The energy in the room's good. Maybe it's just because there's heat in here and it's cold outside. I was telling some folks before the service today, I was sitting in Georgia yesterday on spring break in April watching a baseball game and it was snowing. Like the Lord must be coming back soon. This is really all I can equate it to. I'm not really sure what else is going on. But uh, if you're in the local area, even if you're watching online, you know our weather's been crazy. I hear it's going to be in the 80s this week. Uh, it, isn 't it amazing the older you get, you know the weather like it 's coming like when I was younger i couldn 't have told you what it was today, but once you get a little older, you can tell me what it is fourteen days from now, like Hey, you know it 's going to be you know i don 't know what happens the older I get, the more aware I am of the weather but uh, But it is kind of crazy, weird weather here in Georgia. For those that are watching online, if you're outside of our local area, which happens every single week, you're watching from somewhere else in the United States or even another place in the world, we got weird weather here. That's what we're talking about right now. But uh, there are a lot of great things coming up. You heard Pastor Carson mention a few of those, and I don't want to repeat all those, but I do want to remind you about this coming Friday night, Good Friday, called Come to the Table here at 7 o'clock. It's going to be a really, really special night. 7 o'clock here, excuse me, I got something in my eye. Uh, But it's just going to be a really neat... Uh, experience where we talk about the cross. We reflect on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Excuse me, I apologize. But just as we look at the the cross and the sacrifice of Jesus, and all we're asking you to do is register for that event. It's free. Uh, It's going to be a service that we'll we'll spend some time together. We're going to take communion. Uh, And so we want you here, but we do ask you to register just to help us plan because we have the round tables that will sit around. It just helps us to prepare since we'll reconfigure the room. Uh, But it's going to be a really great night. And then next Sunday's Easter Sunday, we'll have our normal service times of 9.30 and 11 a.m. We are anticipating, you know, an Easter-type crowd, and so I I encourage you to get here a little bit early, especially if you're checking your kids in. And I asked our G-team this morning in our huddle at 9 o'clock, like, if you will just do this for me, everybody raise your right hand, just right now, and say, I'm gonna sit one row closer than I am this week, right? If you'll just help me with that. Some of you are like, I'm putting my hand down, I'm not gonna do that, I refuse, but uh, if you'll help me, that would be great, because you gotta come early to get a good back seat here at our church, so we really want you to come early and get a good front seat if you'll help us with that. Uh, and then also, we told you last week, but it's not too late for you to grab those car decals, we can, those car clings you can put on your car. It says, follow me to Generations Church for Easter. And uh, we want you to put that on there unless you struggle with road rage. I really, honestly, I think the devil was fighting me this week. I had more bad drivers around me all week long this week because I had that sticker on my car. And I was like, are you gonna follow me to Easter at Generations Church? It seemed like all week long, I was surrounded by those types of people that evidently need Jesus and they needed to find him in front of my car. So, uh, but I would love for you to grab those. We have a few more of those left. You can put that on your car and just drive around this week. And just as an aside, it's not on the screen. It's not just, I, I, I happened to be browsing through Facebook last night and I saw on one of the local community groups, somebody asking for a church home. They were asking for a church to visit. And man, it was, it was so amazing, first of all, to see how many great churches there are in our community. Just a, a couple hundred comments of people talking about their church. Uh, and that was exciting. But I loved kind of scrolling through those and seeing so many of you uh, kind of talk about Generations Church and what you love about our church and what you were excited about that God was doing or what God had done in your life through the ministries of this church. And so thanks to those of you that have you know, kind of helped us to spread the word about what God's doing here. Since January 1st, we've seen 147 new people connect to our church, which is awesome. And I'm excited, absolutely, absolutely. And, and that's great, and I love that number, but it also is more than 20 people that have accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior since January 1st. And so we're excited, absolutely, for what God's doing. So we want you to help us to spread the word And help us to get the word out about what God's doing here. And just invite people to come with you next weekend. And then for those that have made a decision recently to follow Jesus, or maybe you've just never been baptized, on April the 24th, so just the Sunday after Easter is water baptism, we want you to do that. We want you to go public with the decision that you've made. So you can register on our website. Uh, at g.church, you can sl- click on the events tab there and register to be baptized. It's going to be a really, really great celebration day. It's one of my favorite Sundays of the year. A few years ago, uh, I was able to travel to South America to speak at a youth camp there um, right on the border of, between Uruguay and Argentina. And if you know anything about a map, right there on that border, kind of on the southernmost or southeastern border of those two countries, there actually is a separation of of land um, as you see a waterway come kind of out of the Uruguay River. And there's a couple of rivers that kind of empty into this other larger river. Some people would actually call it just a larger waterway, kind of the beginning of a sea uh, that gets them into the southern Atlantic Ocean. And that waterway that it all empties into that eventually makes its way into the ocean is the Rio de la Plata. It's really the Silver River. And I actually wrote one of the two books that I've written. I wrote one of those books or portion of that book sitting there kind of looking at that waterway and watching this water come together and eventually empty itself into the South Atlantic Ocean. And as I watched this water, I noticed that there was a different consistency to the water. There was something different about the water. I I did a little research and I recognized or or found out that this was what you might call like brackish water. That there was a convergence in this place of salt water and fresh water. And so these rivers that would eventually empty into it that made its way out to the Atlantic Ocean... The, the brackish water or brack water are actually places where there's salt water, but not to the level of the sea. There's salt water consistency mixing with fresh water. And so if you understand anything about it, and many of you probably are way more knowledgeable about this than I am for sure, but what you have there is a consistency that salt water animals and salt water plant life can't really live in that environment. But freshwater animals and freshwater plant life can't really live in that environment either. So you really have this one kind of place, and there's a number of places around the globe that are similar consistencies, but in this one habitat, you have some new types of fish or different types of fish than you might find in other places in the ocean or in other river life. You have these other types of plants that maybe aren't as prevalent in other places around the world in, in other various water uh, habitats because you have a different consistency of the water. You have salt water and fresh water that have kind of come together to make this brackish water that's a little different. And so when I think about that, I recognize that there's, man, there's this, there's this interesting dynamic that happens in that one place where you have these two things coming together. And so I want you to hang on to that thought and that idea as we continue in what we talked about last week, which was journeying towards Easter. Last week, we started with looking at the story from John chapter 13 and the story where Jesus washes the disciples' feet. And I told you that I wanted us to spend two weeks really preparing our hearts for Easter Sunday. Easter's a big event. It's a a big day in the life of Christianity and in the church because we will celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is not just a historical event. We are celebrating, we are recognizing the power of God demonstrated through Jesus Christ that later in the Bible, we're told that same power exists inside of you and I. So when we celebrate Easter, when we look back at the resurrection, we actually are kind of holding on to the hope that that same power is demonstrated in our lives. So whatever things are in our lives that may appear to be dead, that, that God can actually resurrect those things in our lives, The broken relationships, what seems to be dead relationships and dead marriages and dead finances and no hope in so many different places that we actually can hold to and cling to hope because of what is available through the power of the resurrection on Easter Sunday. And so today I want us to look at a different story as we look to Palm Sunday and some of the events that continue to lead us toward Easter. But before I jump in, I'm going to ask you to do this. Everybody look right at me and say, "I I love you. I love you. You just remember that, okay? You just remember, this has been a challenging week as I've really dug into this text. And man, it's been convicting for me, it's been challenging for me as I look to a story that so many of us may be familiar with, but perhaps more than anything else today, like when I go to my chiropractor, it's just going to hurt so good, all right? Matthew chapter 26, verse 31 through 35 says this. Then Jesus told them, this very night you will all fall away on account of me, for it is written... I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I've risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. And Peter replied, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly, I tell you, Jesus answered this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. I love the strength of Peter here, the declaration, the confidence, the resolve. I love all that I see here. Peter's one of my favorite characters. He's definitely my favorite disciple because he tends to say what I'm thinking, but he says it before he's had a chance to think through it, and often he's corrected by Jesus. I tend to run in that same camp. So I love that about Peter. But he says, listen, I, I, I don't know what you're talking about, Jesus, but I will not disown you. He says, Peter, I hate to tell you this, but before the rooster crows, before the sun comes up, you're going to disown me, not once, not twice, but three times. Peter says, no way. Even even if I gotta die with you, there is no chance that I'm gonna do what you just told me that I'm gonna do. Now look, just a few verses later, Jesus has been arrested, he's interrogated, he's on trial, and this is what it says in the same chapter of scripture, beginning in verse 69. Now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said, but he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said, Then he went out to the gateway where another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, surely you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses and he swore to them, I don't know the man. And immediately a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken before the rooster crows. You will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. The same guy who declares his allegiance denies his friend and teacher, not once, not twice, but three times. I want us to remember this duplicitous life, this moment in Peter's life where Peter swore to Jesus he would die for him, but Peter swore to the crowd he didn't live with Jesus. Peter swore to Jesus that he would die for him. Like, I don't know what you're talking about, Jesus, but I'm telling even if I have to die for you, I'm in. And then Peter swore to two school-age girls and the crowd that he didn't even know him. Out of the same mouth, he declares both of these realities. You ever been there? You ever been there where you want to stand firm, and yet when you have an opportunity to do so, you give in? If I had a title for today, I was telling the guys earlier, I would call it duplicitous living. It's this thought, this idea that for all of us, we have these dueling realities inside of our hearts. We have these desires to stand firm, and yet the pressure and the temptations and the fear and the insecurity, it causes us to make decisions and to compromise and to cower down even when we desire to stand strong. Today's Palm Sunday. We, we might know what that means. When I was growing up in church, it meant that the kids would come in waving these palm branches and sing little songs to reenact the events of the days before Jesus was kind of doing his final stretch of ministry. That week before, he comes in on a borrowed donkey. He comes in to the town they, they throw their cloak over and they lay things out on the road and they're waving the palm branches. It's this triumphal entry. He's coming in and they are celebrating who he is. We see that recorded in Matthew chapter 21 verse 7 through 11 when it says this, they, the disciples, brought the donkey and the colt and they placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna, To the son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. The whole city was stirred. I pray that the events of this holy week cause the whole city of Canton to be stirred. The whole city of Woodstock and Jasper and Ball Ground and Holly Springs and Hickory Flat and wherever you get your mail delivered. I think there's at least one person in here that gets it delivered in Jerusalem, just right up the road though, right? But I pray that all of our cities are stirred because of the events of Holy Week. I pray that all of those people that wrote on Facebook last night about their churches, I pray that those churches are filled with people that are far from God next Sunday morning and that hundreds and even thousands of people come to find life in Jesus Christ on Easter Sunday in our community. I pray that the whole city is stirred. But it doesn't take much of a stretch for us to assume that these crowds of religious people, or at least some of them, that were a part of this incredible corporate praise here, were probably some of them a part of the same corporate type of gathering that were crying out something else just a few days later as they cried out, crucify him, Give us Barabbas. When given the option to set one of the prisoners free, they chose the other one so that the son of God would be crucified by the officials. It's that crowd mentality, it's that mob mentality that when the crowds are worshiping, it's easy for us to worship. But when the crowds are against it, it's easy for us to blend in, to lend our voice to the cries of crucify him, just like we did a few days ago to lend our voice in the crowds to say, Hosanna to him in the highest. It's amazing to me, and I am so guilty of this, that the pressure of crowds can cause us to lose ourselves. Or maybe the pressure of crowds can cause us to reveal our true selves. Because it's those crowds and it's the pressure and all of the things that are taking place that actually cause us To live in this duplicitous living. Now, I promise you today isn't meant to make you feel bad. Some of you are like, well, that's too late. I already feel bad. I apologize. But it is meant to challenge all of us. It is meant to cause all of us through the word of God to filter our lives through the stories of the scriptures to evaluate who we are and where we are. And so here's a few questions for maybe you to jot in the margins of your Bible or in the notes app on your phone. Where does this same duplicity exist in our lives? Where does this same disconnect? The kind of life that can worship one day and deny the next. The kind of life that would have such a stiffened resolve to say, I will stand for you. I will die for you even if it comes to that. But can't stand up to the crowds that are attempting To connect you to Jesus? What causes us to worship one day and deny on another? Where do we lose our resolve to stand for him no matter what? How do we find a balance and which side do we choose to live on day by day? In the New Testament, there's a book. It's often referred to as the Proverbs of the New Testament. There's this incredible one-liners and these great truths that you can kind of hold to and cling to and really apply to your life. It's the book of James. It's written by the half-brother of Jesus. And there's not like many chapters. It's not a large book, I guess what I'm trying to say. But James chapter 3 is one of the most famous of the chapters because there's so many great truths in there. And James chapter 3 says this, beginning in verse 9, with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father and with it, we curse human beings. Who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. I'm reminded when I read that passage of the Rio de la Plata where these two convergence of, of water sources come together and, and the, the salt water and the density of the salt water actually causes it to sink underneath the fresh water. And so now you really have two layers of water sources as they make their way to the sea. Eventually the salt will overcome the fresh water and for a, you know, maybe a couple dozen or maybe as many as 100 kilometers out into the ocean, you'll see that water begin to take Uh, begin to connect to the salt of the sea, and and then that's really when you start to see the ocean and the habitat there. But you have these two things that are kind of layered on top of each other. Man, doesn't that reflect our lives so often? That underneath the source, uh, underneath the surface, we have this underlying desire, this aspirational worship, this aspirational resolve that says, I will stand for God no matter what. But on the surface, when we're at work, when we're out in the community, if we hear certain things or see certain things or the crowd is moving in another direction, it's so easy for us to hop in with that crowd because we live in a culture that desires for us to compromise. This is not fear mongering, it's the reality of the world that we live in. And so, with the last few minutes that we have together, I want us to do some evaluating. I want us to actually ask some very specific questions. And while we're sitting in a room together or watching together online, I want this to be a personal test, a personal evaluation for you. The first question is this, what causes us to deny him? No matter how much we've resolved not to, no matter how much we've said, I'm gonna stand for him, stand with him, what causes us to ever deny him or to stay quiet? I think it boils down to really about three things. One of them is fear. It probably could just be that. But you might Categorize it as something else, maybe an insecurity. Maybe if you are questioned, you don't feel like you know enough about the Bible or about faith or about the things that they may ask you, and so it's an insecurity. Maybe it's temptation. We find ourselves in a situation of compromise. We find ourselves in a situation where we're not sure that we could actually stand because of the people that know the things that we've done, and so the temptations and the things that we've given into, perhaps that's it. But I think it probably all boils down to fear. We're afraid. Peter was afraid that if he said, yes, I am one of his guys, that he too was going to be arrested and led towards his death, and he was afraid. It's fear that so often causes us to deny him. Maybe it's that our worship is aspirational, our desire to stand firm. Is, it's what we want it to be. It's what we hope we have the strength and resolve to be, but maybe it's not fully true. We want to believe it. We want to believe, like Peter, that we would die for him, but we're just not sure that that's actually where we stand. And so we don't know that we fully believe it on the front end, so we're definitely not going to be able to stand on it when we get into a place of fear or insecurity or temptation or worry in that regard. It's this duplicitous life. What causes us to deny him? Maybe maybe right now you know there's some specific things. There are some people. There's some relationships. There's some environments. There's a context of living that causes you to cower back And maybe you mark that in the margins of your Bible or you make a note of that in your phone so that at some point over the next few hours or the next few days, you can ask God to help you to strengthen your resolve or perhaps to step out of those environments or those relationships so that you can live and be all that you desire to live and be in the context of your relationship with God. If we can identify what causes us to relent from our resolve, we can shore up this foundation of our relationship with him. What is it that causes us to deny him? Jesus talked about foundational pieces of our lives. He talked about the man that built his house on sand and the man that built his house on the rock. And he said, when the storms came, and they absolutely will come, that the house that's built on the sand will not stand. But the house that's built on the rock will stand. And so are our lives, are our relationship, is our relationship with God built on the firm, sure foundation of God and his word and the truth of who he says we are. We hold to that, we cling to that. It's not what someone else said. It's not someone else's faith. It's not someone else's truth. It's our own pursuit of truth in our own lives. We are not being swayed by all of the other opinions of the people around us. We are not being swayed by social media or the news. We are swayed only by the pure conviction of God's word in our hearts and in our lives. That's what we stand upon. So that when the storms come, our lives are not thrown to and fro by all of the various things. Because it's one person's opinion and another person's opinion and all of the various things that are pulling at us from every single side. We can stand on the sure, firm foundation of God and his word. It's community and it's relationships with people that are in pursuit of the same things that we are in pursuit of. It is personal time spent with God, not so that we can check it off of a to-do list and not so that we can post an Instagram story about what we read that day, but so that we can grow to know God more and more in our lives every single day. That at the end of our reading and at the end of our prayer and at the end of our personal worship, since we are not just waiting until Sunday, at the end of that moment, we say, I know God better than I knew him before I started. That is what we are called to do and called to be. And I promise you this, it is not the flip of a switch. It is a growing relationship day by day. And it's not about perfection It is about pursuit. That's written on our red wall in the lobby. If you're gonna miss a day, you're gonna miss a day. It doesn't mean the next day you gotta go back and read both days. Or if you've missed 11 days, you gotta go back and read all 11 days. It just means read today. Pray today. Worship today. Be in pursuit of a growing relationship with him. How we say it here is we ask this question, which way is my arrow pointed? If in the most juvenile sense you could picture this image, that God is there and the devil is over there, I have to choose which way my arrow is pointed. It's like, well, nobody's going to point their arrow that way. That's true. But I think all of us could probably answer truthfully whether or not our arrow is pointed in the direction of a growing relationship with God. Am I attempting to get closer to him? Am I attempting to know him better? Am I attempting to understand his perfect will for my life, his plan for my life? Am I attempting to find freedom from the things that are holding me hostage? Or am I trying to stand in the middle and appease both my soul and my flesh? Am I trying to appease both those who are closer to God and those who are farther away? Or have I actually just kind of given up pursuit And I've turned away and I've said, I'm going to do whatever feels right to me in my own eyes, like the children of Israel out in the desert. And for at least a moment, or maybe for a long time, I am not at all in pursuit of a growing relationship with God. It is not about perfection. It is about pursuit. Which way is my arrow pointed? Revelation chapter three, verse 15 and 16 says this, I know your deeds that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. This is the revelation that John had early in the book of Revelation where he's actually writing these letters to the churches and he's talking to them and challenging them about their present reality and speaking to this one church. He says, listen, I see that you have chosen to try to stand in the middle You're not trying to choose a side. You're not actually trying to grow in relationship with God, but you're also not fully giving yourself over to the enemy. You're trying to figure out how to live in brackish water. You're trying to figure out how to be salt water and fresh water all at the same time. You're trying to figure out how to get close enough to God that you feel okay on Sundays, but not be so close that you don't fit in on Mondays. Like you've just decided you're going to try to live in the middle. Don't do that. You ever taken a lukewarm shower? Isn't it miserable? I mean, it's horrible. It's terrible. And what we see here through the words of God from the revelation of John is that it disgusts the Lord that we won't pick a side. We're trying to live in brackish water. So here are some evaluation questions as we continue our personal test. Where am I inconsistent? Where am I inconsistent? Where do I declare my allegiance? I will stand even to death. And where do I compromise and give in? Where am I inconsistent in the way that I live? Where do I give in? Are there people I'm afraid to admit I'm a Christian around? Who in my life am I afraid to talk about my faith around? When and where do I hide my relationship with God? When and where? Do I try to live in brackish water? Or do I try to just hang out in the middle? When and where? Who? Why? On this Palm Sunday, on the lead up to Easter week, I don't want to be a worshiper on Sunday and in the crucifixion mob later in the week. I don't want to declare my allegiance at dinner and my denial by dawn. That's not who I want to be. And so I've got to evaluate my heart and evaluate my life. But can I give you one more word of caution before we close? You still love me, right? Can I give you one more word of caution? This same guy, Peter, my favorite, right? This is the guy when Jesus was being arrested. He thought, I got it. I know what all this is about. I figured it out. I know what I'm supposed to do. He recruited all of us to protect him. I I mean, like all these three years, it's been leading to this moment. It's been culminating in this moment right now. And he grabs a sword from one of the guys that came to get Jesus. And he cuts off one of their ears. I'm your guy. Now, I don't know if he was aiming for his chest and missed. I mean, he's a fisherman, not a fighter. You understand what I'm saying? Like, I probably would have missed too, all right? But like, I don't know what he was aiming for. (laughs) But... He hit the ear. And Jesus looks at him and says, Peter, stop, put the sword away. He picks up the ear and he puts it back on the guy. You don't think that guy had a little tension in his heart? Who are we arresting here? That was my ear. (laughs) And now it's my ear. Like, I don't, I think there's a little tension in the story. Peter said, put your, Jesus said to Peter, put your sword away. There is a difference between fighting for Jesus and living for Jesus. There's a lot of people in the present day. I can't tell you how many Facebook posts I've deleted in the last two years because it felt like it needed a response. It felt like it needed a fight. I can't tell you how many times I've erased a text message or at the last minute decided not to make the phone call I can't tell you how many conversations I've been walking into that I turned around and walked out of because it felt like that what's called for in this moment is that we fight for Jesus and I'm not saying that we shouldn't stand with him but there is a difference in fighting for Jesus and living for Jesus and I think in the last two years and I am just as guilty so please hear me only talking about me and people that struggle like me that it's easy to stand up at dinner and say, I will die with you, Jesus. It's easy to jump on Facebook and rebut people and talk about what they're saying and why it's not true and why we don't believe that and what they should do and how they should change and then log off of Facebook and not be led by the fruit of the Spirit. It's easy to live in this duplicitous place of fighting for Jesus because it feels like what's right in the moment. And not being consumed with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I want to be the kind of person that would die for Jesus if asked to, but without a doubt will live for Jesus every single day of my life because it's what I'm called to. It's what I'm called to do, to live for Jesus, to live in relationships with him so all week long I've been praying this prayer Lord soften my heart and thicken my skin soften my heart and stiffen my spine Lord let me stand with you let me stand for you but let people know that I live for you too Let my life be the embodiment of the character and nature of the Son of God who came and lived a sinless, blameless life. And when he was confronted and when he was accused, in moments he stood silent. Lord, give me the spiritual discipline of silence in moments that it is required of me. But in other moments he spoke up because it was what was needed in that moment. God, when I am called to speak, let me speak with the boldness and the conviction to speak the truth in love. God, let my life reflect the character and the nature of your son, Jesus. God, I am willing to die for you if it comes to that. But God, let me live for you today. Don't let me live in brackish waters. Don't let me attempt to be saltwater and freshwater all at the same time. God, let me point my arrow toward Jesus Christ and in full and passionate pursuit of him, grow closer day after day after day with the Savior of the world. At the beginning of this holy week, it is my prayer for you. It is my heart for you. It is my heart for this place that we would walk out of this building and walk into our lives and nothing would change about who we are how we conduct ourselves and the things that we say and the things that we do because who we are in here is who we are out there and what we say in here is what we say out there and how we live in here is how we live out there if not it is duplicitous living and we are called to more than that can you bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment Nobody's looking around in the room. If you're watching online, I encourage you just to bow your heads as well, just for a moment. If you would say to me, Jeremy, for me, I'm not in a relationship with Jesus. And I want that to change today. I'm asking God to forgive my sins and to be the Lord of my life. If that's you and you're in the room, would you just lift your hand right where you're at? You can put it right back down. Thank you so much. Several hands today. If you're watching online, I encourage you to drop that in the chat. Email us at prayer at g.church. Let us know you're making that decision. we want going to pray for you. And then if you would say, Jeremy, for me, I just want a more consistent life with Jesus. I don't want duplicitous living. I want to be the same everywhere I go. If that's you, would you just lift your hand? So many of us, so many of us today. God, we thank you for the time spent in your word, time spent in worship. Thank you, God, for who you are. I thank you for Easter, this holy week that leads us to that moment, reflection of the cross and the power of the resurrection. So, God, I pray for every person that lifted their hands today to acknowledge that they want you to be the Lord and Savior of their life. Would you forgive their sins and lead their life? Let them be in relationship with you. It's not to check a box but it's to be in relationship with you. God, help that to be the reality of their lives. We celebrate with those who are making that decision today. We want to journey with them in that process. And God, I pray for those of us that lifted our hands to say we we want to be more consistent in who we are in our life with Jesus and our relationship with Jesus. We don't want to live this duplicitous life, be worshipers one day and the mob the next. Don't allow the crowds to change our behavior. God, let us stand firm in who we are in you. And God, we thank you for all that you've done and all that you will do. Let this be an incredible week where cities are stirred as we prepare for Easter. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.